Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to the 411 Ground and Pound MMA podcast, your weekly look into the wide, wacky, wonderful world of mixed martial arts. And boy, did we get some of all of that in a very short time frame. Uh, the last, you know, 48 hours or so has been pretty crazy. Uh, I'm Robert Winfrey. I'm your host. Uh, just so you know what's kind of on the docket this evening. Uh, some sad news in the world of MMA and a little bit larger. Uh, the passing of UFC lightweight champion Khabib Nurmagomedov's father. Uh, there's a couple of cards to preview. There's UFC 251, which is going to take a bit of time because, shocker of shockers, in the state of the world, fights are falling out and being remade and replacements are coming in fairly constantly. There will also be a card on Wednesday of next week. I think it's Wednesday. Uh, the UFC on ESPN Plus 30 show, which has a good couple of fights at the top, if nothing else. So we'll go over that. And then news such as it is, news lately has been odd. It's either been big, but it's all related to specific fight events, so it kind of gets lumped in with that. Or it's been smaller stuff. Uh only thing I have on the docket here is the status of glory kickboxing at the moment, which is a little bit surprising and not a good thing for the world of kickboxing. But to those of you who are sick of listening to me prattle myself for the last few weeks, you are in luck. Back with us for the first time in a while. Prime 411 Mania's Jack of All Trades. Jeffrey Harris is checking back in. How are you? I'm better than Custer, Robert, and I'm very happy to be back. It is your great honor and pleasure, I'm sure. Uh, Listeners, thank you for welcoming me back. Um, And thanks for listening to us. I hope everyone's doing well. I hope everyone's managing this whole pandemic okay. Um, My heart goes out to you. And just, um, look, let's be honest, right now, it's not the most fun time in the in the world. Um, I saw that shirt the other day from SoCal Uncensored, which sort of accurately sums up my feelings. This is the worst year I've ever lived in. And not to not to belittle or trivialize people who are going through real tragedy or have been uh, through real tragedy in our lives. Um, but n- taking that into account, it's just not a fun time to be in the world right now. So, but it can regardless, be the, it, yeah. hopefully it's the worst year that you've lived through. That doesn't necessarily make it the worst well, year in human history, you know? Correct. Correct. Not, I, not the worst year in human history, but not even regardless, Robert, I'm happy to be on here and I'm happy to be talking to you right now. And I'm happy to be back on the show. Um, talking about MMA again, just, this is probably the best part of my day, and I'm not saying that with any irony. I'm happy to be doing this right now, so I appreciate it. I'm very glad to talk to you again as well. It has been a few weeks, and uh, it's, I it's been a few months at this point. <laughs> it might have been actually. I it's kind of it's kind of like a blur, right? Days but, run together, weeks run together, yeah. months are starting to run together a little bit. Yeah, but, you know, trying it's it's been a struggle for me not to feel sorry for my whole summer getting wrecked and all the opportunities I lost out on some, you know, 
financially related, but whatever. Yeah, well, I, th- I think a lot of us are in that particular boat. <laughs> you know, I, I feel for the people who are losing their businesses, don't know, and, you know, they don't know what they're going to be doing right now. People who are maybe on unemployment, you know, unemployment, even if you are getting unemployment right now, that's not going to last forever either. So, you know, you, you have to think about that. Um, it's just... Ugh. I, I don't really know what to say. It's 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 really just mind boggling. But yep, the utter, it's a bit the, of a it's a bit of a time. The utter unpreparedness of the system for <laughs> something well, like this. Here's what like here's what I will say in defense. It's like whoever prepares for something like this, you know. Uh, yeah, I'm not to be clear, lest anyone out there say we're getting that I was being overly political there. I mean, when I say the system, I do mean just the system itself. I don't think there's. Yeah, I, sure. I, I'm not throwing any individuals necessarily under the bus here. I don't think it. it's unclear to me how different people would have appreciably made this easier. You know, <laughs> it's just kind of the way the structure had been set up at this point that was destined to inevitably find this kind of fault line. I mean, I, I I was definitely caught off guard by this whole thing, so I can't I can't I can't talk from a seat of superiority in any. It's difficult for me to it's just difficult for me to just talk talk about this and put this whole period in words. It's just so strange, you know. I've it never is. experienced anything like this in my lifetime. It is far beyond the experience of most living people. Not all, but most. And I, bear in mind, I do include myself in that. Right. I've never – I've had some weird experiences in my life, uh, but nothing quite like this one. So, well, moving on to the state of MMA because that's what my you're all here for. My hope is once we get past this period, I don't know when that will be that, you know, we can – get back to some semblance of normalcy. And I don't know how we'll look back on this period, but whatever. Well, hopefully, uh, I, hopefully this is the worst of it. I suppose it's the best way I can phrase that. Thank you, Robert. I don't want it to get any worse. Uh, all right. Moving Strange, on. Strangely optimistic from you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm capable of optimism. You're, you're, right. you're a poet and you didn't know it. As it were, yeah. All right, uh, let's get into some of the combat sports-related stuff. Uh, Normally we start with fights here, but we've had some, again, very somber, sobering news come out of the combat sports world. That being the passing of Khabib Nurmagomedov's father, Abdulmanap. He'd he'd had some health issues for a while. This has been reported off and on. Uh, I believe the official ruling, or as far as I know... What this is COVID related because he contracted the virus and it caused complications with some heart surgery he'd had or his recovery from that. Uh, he underwent is, heart surgery for a pre-existing condition that was reportedly further complicated by COVID-19, according to ESPN. Uh, I'll take their word for that as far as that goes. Uh, so. Last May, uh, this this had been an ongoing thing for in recent months. In May, he was placed into a medically induced coma. Um, so that that's 
another detail we have on this. Yeah, uh, this is a uh, – I struggle to really put into words what kind of a tragedy this is to people who don't really – who struggle to relate maybe. Um, lose. I've not lost a parent yet. I know it will happen. Uh, I don't know that pain personally, but I know a lot of people that do, and it's not really the kind of thing that goes away. It's something you learn to live with. He was uh, relatively young. He was, he was only, only 57. Uh, 58. But, he, you know, not even 60 yet. Uh, no, it was 57. He would have been 58 later in the year. I, I don't know. I might be mistaken in that. I, Khabib I, said his father was 58 years old, almost okay. 59. I'll take Khabib's word for it then. I know the specifics of when he was born might be a little bit wonky on official record. So the month, Because the month matters here in terms of 57 or 58, but... Yeah, that's that's an incredibly difficult thing to deal with. Uh, He's had an inf- uh, an influential part in the career of multiple high-level athletes and fighters, not just Habib. Yeah, if you yeah. if you're not really familiar with the history of Abdulmanap, and I'm not a scholar by any sense by any stretch, but he had a career in I think both wrestling and combat sambo when he was a young man and he brought MMA basically in that sense to that part of the world. He spent a lot of his time and his life's energy trying to redirect youth in Dagestan into athletics and away from extremism. And I mean, extremism is still a very big problem in that part of the country. It's war torn for a reason, but he, went out of his way and made a big deal about trying to push back against that to there's generations of people who could have taken very different life turns and wound up in better places. I say better because I imagine just about anything is better than being overly radicalized and falling into that part of that kind of life that have made much better choices with their lives because of him and because of the opportunities that he gave them and because of the direction he was able to channel their energy. And that's, that's a huge thing. The man was an absolute, you know, Titan in that part of the world. There's video, or at least I believe there is video actually of a, there was an MMA event in that part of the world. I forget where exactly in Russia or might've been Chechnya. And there was uh, either a referee's call or a decision or something the crowd didn't agree with, and they started throwing stuff. And Abdulmanap got was able to get a microphone, get in the cage, and talk them down. There's not too many people who can talk down a hostile crowd. Uh, Javier Mendez has talked a bit recently about you know, just what the vibe is when he was training, when Abdulmanap could be there for Khabib's training. Uh, he... And that all of that is just, you know, the accolades that you know, kind of you can observe from the outside. That's to say nothing of you know, what it means to lose a father, a husband, uh, something like that. It's it's a again, it's a tragedy in the truest sense of the word. I I don't know if this, not to be overly cynical or pragmatic, I don't know which word would be better suited here. I imagine this might throw 
the kind of bandied about date for Khabib versus Gagey of September into some disarray. And just for the record, uh, anybody who throws any shade at Khabib, if he does postpone that, uh, you're the worst. You're just a terrible person. This is a huge deal for your life when you lose someone like this, when you lose a parent, especially, you know, especially young. Again, not even 60. I mean, Khabib's only. Jeez, how old is Khabib? that up real fast Khabib Khabib's 31 God, he's younger than I am you know I I struggle to under to, re, to really kind of understand how I would have reacted to losing either of my parents when I was only 31 uh, I remember Jake Shields fighting right after his his dad died and I was, sh- and I just remember being shocked at the time. I think that I want to say that was the uh, the time he lost to. When was that fight? That wasn't the Yakiyama fight, was it? No, it was. I th- see. I don't want to. I, I don't want to say because I think I might be mixing mixing it up. Now, I, I do recall the incident you're talking about when he. Uh, his very- father died in August 2011, and I remember he fought like right after. His- yeah, he fought and lost to Jake Ellenberger. Ellenberger, that was it. Just four weeks after he buried his father. Yeah. And I. I mean, ultimately, that's his decision. I hope he was not coerced or or pressured into fighting at that time. Now, I only I know that's kind of an old example, but that's just want, one that sticks out in my mind. Like, I don't uh, think he I don't think he should have been anywhere near the octagon at that time. If you want a more recent example, a few weeks ago, Cody Stamen fought a week after his younger brother very suddenly passed in his sleep. There, I'm sure there are. We can find many instances of this, and you know, for some athletes, maybe that's maybe that's the only thing, you know, keeping their mind off it. Maybe it's something to to focus on. Um, Rose Namajunas recently experienced some personal tragedies and she finally uh she recently talked about it uh on ariel hawani's mma show uh she lost two relevant relatives to the covid19 virus recently and she is going uh to be fighting again soon yeah i uh, the closest i had the closest i have kind of analog i can draw was my uh my maternal grandfather, when he passed, I I was a wreck for yeah. a couple of months. Uh, Let's see. Rose's relatives, uh, she had – I don't know exactly who, di- who died in her, her family. Um, uh, there were two deaths. I seem to recall the first one was reported as an aunt. I don't know how okay. accurate that was. 
see, this is CBS Sports. So this happened back in April. So at this point, it wasn't it wasn't a long time ago, but it it wasn't a, it, it was back in April um, when this uh, pandemic was still relatively new. So let's see. Uh, she lost two relatives. Uh, had two family members die from the virus. That's all it said in the statement. Um, but she will be fighting. Let's see. Her uh, fight's she... at 251 next weekend. So, yeah. Look, if she wants. I. I'm under every indication for, for Thug Rose that she wants to be fighting on this card. And if she's okay with fighting, that's her decision. Well, she pulled out uh, of an event. Yeah. She, she has a history of if I'm not comfortable she with this, I won't be, do it. She was going to – she had to withdraw, uh, withdraw from 249. She was going to be on 249 originally yeah. before this happened. So, yeah, it's – I'm I'm not sure what kind of, you know, force of character it takes to kind of persevere and go through with any kind of athletic endeavor in the wake of that kind of a uh, that kind of loss. I mean, sometimes it works. You know, sometimes you're able to uh, athletes are able to channel that into extremely uh, inspiring performances and sometimes they fall apart and. I mean, uh, wasn't there I, a wasn't there a football game that Brett Favre played like the day or so after his father died, and he threw for like almost four hundred or uh, three hundred yards, something like that? That I'm not familiar with, but I mean, just the fact that these people get locked into a cage uh, and fight in hand to hand combat is pretty. That alone is actually pretty extraordinary if you think about it. Um, it really is. Not and not to lump all these cases together, but um, I just you know want you know I I want to give these athletes their space when they're going through this and but also want to say I I don't want them to be pressured into feeling they have to do something when they experience these tragedies, but. If given time, if they're ready to come back and fight, they should be allowed. You know, I want them to do so as well. Yeah, agreed. So, for whatever my condolences happen to be worth, uh, the Nurmagomedov family has them. It's a terrible thing they're having to deal with. Rest in peace to Abdulmanap Nurmagomedov, and my condolences to the Nurmagomedov family as well. All right, moving on to hopefully slightly happier topics of discussion we have a pay-per-view this coming saturday ufc 251 the original some of that we have to do a little bit of chronology before we get into the fights here because the original main event was going to be gilbert burns versus kamaru usman for usman's welterweight title if you actually before the whole pandemic was this not basically going to be the international fight week card and yeah, pretty much. And they were talking about Masvidal versus Usman for International Fight Week at one point. And then yeah, that, that got kind of ne- never officially confirmed, but everything got kind of 
Yeah, they, I know they were wor- – I was pretty sure they were working to that. A lot of people have reported that. They couldn't come to financial terms or date terms or you know, they couldn't make it work. So the original fight here was Gilbert Burns versus Usman for Usman's welterweight title. A fight I would have been – I was interested in. I think Burns offers some very interesting challenges to Usman. Um but earlier this week, Gilbert Byrne, one of Gilbert Burns' cornermen and then himself tested positive for COVID. So he's out. Uh, hopefully he recovers and makes a full recovery quickly. And that kind of – so that give us, gave us about uh, – because this was final – this was started reported – sorry, this wasn't just earlier in the week. This was like a Saturday. That they were, that it was late Friday. It was late Friday when this really started breaking. Yeah. Uh, Friday, and and when I say Friday, I mean July third. And the card is, uh, let's see, July. Tw- is it July twelfth? I guess in Abu Dhabi, or is it July? It's the twelfth. So it's the twelfth. Okay. Because of the whole time zone issue. Okay. So let's see here. So this is from. Oh MMA. no! Wait. Sorry. It will just be the eleventh. Sorry. The, it's erroneously listed in a few places because UFC two fifty one was originally supposed to take place in Australia. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. It is the it is the it is Saturday the 11th. All right, it's Saturday the 11th. I'm it's sorry. Abu, about that. Yeah, yeah it, again, it's weirdly categorized. Um, Abu Dhabi is I think 8 hours ahead of okay. Eastern Standard Time. So here's what uh MMA Junkie said Burns traveled from Florida where he trained for 251 to Las Vegas. Uh, uh, Las Vegas is being used as a hub to send athletes overseas to Abu Dhabi, and they're also getting tested there for COVID-19 before they go to the Middle East. Burns' test result came back positive, as well as his coaches, Greg Jones and Wagner Roca. His brother, Herbert Burns, who was originally believed to be part of his corner party, later denied testing positive. Uh, That was a new addition to the story. So as a result, all three men did not board the charter flight uh, departing Las Vegas. Usman did not board the plane. Uh, Burns later commented on the situation with a post on social media. He wrote, devastating news, not feeling well, but I'm going to win this battle. Stay safe out there. Much love. Now, honestly, Robert, I'm not sure it's been confirmed that he did test positive uh, for COVID-19 because ESPN didn't report that. Um, his Sanford MMA teammate Ong La, uh, La and Zhang revealed he tested positive. So I don't know how. So we we don't know how he contracted the virus, but we do know one of his teammates had the virus. So it's possible he could have picked it up from one of them. Um. And I guess at the very least, I will credit UFC that they we know they are te- we know they are rigorously testing the um, the staff and the athletes. Um, so on one hand, it is good they caught this. It's better that they caught it than that it went than you know that he was able to go through and then infect more people with or it. Or that he went to Yaz Island, uh, or is it how do you say it? Yaz Island? I think Yaz. Yaz Island, it's better that they caught it before he left the country. Um, and hopefully and hopefully he'll be okay and he'll make a full recovery from this. Um, 
the last and here's here's the last situation um this is uh let's see so here's the current uh situation from uh espn is that sorry that's ariel hawani uh uzman and masvidal have agreed to fight so basically they're both in las vegas now they're getting tested for COVID-19, um, provided they pass their respective tests for COVID uh, and they test negative, they will be flown to Abu Dhabi. So according yeah. to sources, they have agreed to terms to compete at UFC 251 and negotiations have apparently been cleared and they just need to pass. If they pass their test, they'll be flown to Abu Dhabi for a fight. Yeah, apparently they were able to make that happen in terms of, you know, financial compensation for all parties. Um, yeah, in steps Mosfidal into that space. Now, again, a lot of us, and I'll freely include myself in this, had kind of thought that Mosfidal was the number one contender as opposed to Burns. I wasn't, to be clear, I was not crying for Mosfidal over this. And I was certainly interested in Burns versus Usman. I think... I'm going. When we talk about this fight, we're going to assume they both pass their test, and we're going to assume the fight takes place. Now, if it doesn't, whatever. They're they're both in quarantine right now, having been tested in Las Vegas. They'll be tested again, assuming they pass there when they land in Abu Dhabi. There's still plenty of points that this could fail on. I'll freely acknowledge that. But assuming the fight happens, uh, I was. I think the more I think about this fight, which I haven't been able to do a tremendous amount of because this was, you know, relatively short. I actually think Burns is a more stylistically interesting challenger than Masvidal. I agree. Uh, Burns, both men have heavy hands. Burns, not the striker Masvidal is by most stretch of the imagination, but he has worked very hard on it. Burns has good wrestling. I think if we're talking pure wrestling, he and Masvidal, Masvidal might have a slight edge over Burns. But people are less willing to grapple with Gilbert Burns, given his jiu-jitsu credentials. He's a world-renowned championship grappler. And I think that it would be interesting to watch Usman have to navigate the different spaces of combat versus Burns, as opposed to Masvidal. Now, I'm not saying Masvidal can't win this fight. He's Masvidal does everything well. But if there has been a path to victory against him, it has been people grappling and wrestling and takedowns. Well, not just those. It's it's not just having them. He's beaten plenty of people who have those. It's more the uh, the word, the persistence of it. If you can force him to do that continually and you have the ability to benefit from that. That tends to be more where he's struggled a little bit at times. How about just the fact that Masvidal is very beatable? There are way, there are way, the way to beat him is pretty obvious, is it not? Eh, not as obvious as it used to be. And even, well, and further, and again, further to the point, even if 13 there is career, a, 13 career losses. Yeah. He's lost... Uh, let's see. Six times in the UFC. Mm-hmm. 
Ka- uh, lost Kabilov, Iakinta by split decision. He should have won that fight. <laughs> Benson Henderson, Lorenz Larkin, split both split decisions. I think he's only lost via split in the UFC, right? No, Stephen Thompson. Okay, the Thompson. Okay, the, no, the Thompson was unanimous. That's right. Okay. There's but, a there's a very to me there's a very clear path to beating Masvidal. You don't yeah. want to stand you don't want to stand in exchange with him. That's generally a bad idea. Yeah. Well, and I suppose the big uh, the other point to note here is that even if there is a even if there is a a strategy that you can see, the ability to implement it consistently is where things can get tricky. I mean, beating uh, like beating Ryan Hall, for example, you know how to beat that guy. You just don't grapple with him. Turns out that's just not easy to do. Or, you know, Edson Barboza. Pressuring Edson Barboza has been a pretty consistent path to victory for a lot of guys. A lot of guys have also tried to pressure him and wound up getting slept for it. So it's still not an easy thing. Uh... I, two things about this, and then I think we're going to move on. So uh, betting odds, the betting odds came out for this fight already. And um, Usman's what, like a three to one favorite? Pretty much. That's about fair. So I mean, if you like, if you if you're really confident in Masvidal's growth as a high level fighter and his knockout power, um, and you like gambling, he's a decent sized underdog right now. Really, might be good money for you. Yeah, if if Masvidal's able to pull this off, that would be be the cherry on top of a pretty amazing run he's been having. You know, no one can deny, no one can really deny him anymore. He's the champion. He's finally look. The BMF was a gimmick. It was a gimmick, right? This is yeah. the real title. This is the re- this is the actual real title. He has earned his shot at the title. He has earned his shot at the title, no question, but. This is the legitimate actual welterweight title. To the extent that the, to the extent that the UFC titles actually mean what they like to purport they mean in terms of gimmickry, yes. Well, he I mean, look, uh, Usman uh, beat well, that is Usman that is, beat Woodley, and he beat Covington, the so-called interim champion. Look, look, that's just to say that the UFC has admitted when they when actually push comes to shove under oath that their titles don't mean the same thing that other titles do. That they're they're not necessarily who's the best in the world. It's who's the best on the night. All right. So now, that being said, I do consider Usman the best welterweight in the world. Um, I'm picking Usman. I was going to pick him against Burns, too. I, I have a really hard time seeing... Now, let me be clear about this. I don't think Usman is an unbeatable, perfect fighting machine. He's not. Yeah. But if you look at the top of welterweight right now and how he specifically matches up with them, we're dealing with the very highest level of fighter, so no one should be surprised when anyone beats anyone. But I favor him over pretty much all of them. In fact, but I think here's, all of them. Here's, but this fight is happening less on, on a week's notice, Robert. Yep. Really less than a week's notice. And when, Masvidal is not – you don't fight Masvidal the same way you fight Burns. Usman's been preparing for Burns. Now, 
Masvidal, for all we know, Masvidal could have been training and could have been staying in shape to get ready just in case. Like he could have been prepared. He very well could have been preparing for this eventuality. Who knows? But that even that to say that is also speculation. We have no idea. You would you would assume the fact that he negotiated this deal and, and apparently accepted this fight. He is confident he is going to make weight and going to be ready to fight uh, next Saturday or this Saturday. But he hasn't even made weight yet. And we've seen that, you know, just making championship weight can be a whole production for some fighters, you know? That is one of the benefits of Masvidal at welterweight. That cut doesn't seem to be a big problem for him, but it is something to pay attention to. Yeah, there's a lot of guys who can't take short notice fights in their normal weight class. Right. Um, uh, just kind of to dovetail on something we touched on. But earlier. I mean, both guys, both guys are taking this fight on short notice. I mean, props to both guys if they yeah. are taking this fight. Now that being said, I hope, I, I very much hope for Masvidal to be taking this fight. He's getting everything he wants. I especially hope they taking this fight on short notice. I hope both he and Usman get – look, I'm, this is going to become my baseline response at this point because the UFC's pay structure is so backwards. I hope they at least get a million bucks each. At least. I mean, did you see that – five each. That would, be sli- that would be slightly more in keeping with what's uh, – I think at least with what Masvidal tends to bring in at this point in time. Uh, did you see that video of uh, the aftermath of last week's event of you know, Dan Hooker getting into the ambulance? Uh, I saw both of them went to the hospital and I'm like, man, yeah, I hope, there, hope they got more than a fight of the night. Boat. Yeah, there's there's video of Dan Hooker Dan in the immediate aftermath. Man. He's a madman. What can what can I say? Well, the the video is he goes in like kind of towards that back area, and there's a guy who's like, oh, "You're gonna do an interview," and he's kind of bent over and no, and he can't really move. So they get a stretcher and they wheel him out to the ambulance. It's. It, I wasn't here to talk about. I mean, that fight was outstanding, but man, I, I bonkers fight. But I'm worried about the 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 futures of Dan Hooker and Dustin Poirier after you know because they they. They were throwing at each other with bad intentions for 25 minutes and kept going. Yeah, Dan Hooker made, I think, disclosed $117,000 for that fight. Yeah. That's that's borderline inconscionable. Even 29, it, to me, even 29 million is not enough for like a fight like that. Just that's what a, the and what I a, mean by that is what those guys are risking and giving up to put on a performance like that for our entertainment, you know? That is, that is a multi-million dollar effort both men put in. And it's a crying shame that if they're lucky, they'll be mul- they'll have made multi-millions in gross by the time their careers are over. Right. Um, Poirier was at least sort of... He's, I saw... I don't know if you saw it, but Poirier had a, an interview on Ariel Hawani's show uh, last week. And he seemed to have a good amount of self-awareness about the fight, at least, and the damage he took and how that, how that's not generally not good for him. But um, Uh, yeah, he's, I, I got a kick out of, you know, people saying, Hey, you should fight Tony Ferguson next, which don't get me wrong. I would love. 
But it's like, can I go on vacation? Did you not see my last yeah. fight? <laughs> yeah. Let that look, guy. Let him. T- let him take a vacation and enjoy his time with not, his daughter. That man should it. not be getting back into the cage until he says he's ready to get back into the cage. Yeah. Exactly. Um. So anyway, I do hope. I hope Masvidal and Usman both get paid what they're worth. They're not. I know that, but I can say I hope they do. <laughs> but Hooker, man. Yeah, that uh, Hooker's a fun fighter. I hope he's going to be okay. Uh, he seems to be. He's been posting some stuff on social media recently. Uh, the video of him taking his stitches out is is out there. So he seems to be. Yeah, that was rough. But yeah, that was a brutal fight. So I'm again, I'm picking Usman, but yeah, it just needs to be said, I think, briefly about Masvidal. If he wins, and certainly possible, probable, I don't think so, but possible. That would be one of the most incredible rehabilitative 18 months that any fighter has ever had. You know, mm-hmm. coming into coming into 2019, he got that fight with Till basically on, on shorter notice. Mm-hmm. But he was he missed all of 2018. He was kind of looked at as a you know a guy who can do who's you know well rounded technically, but is kind of a journeyman fighter. Been has, a journeyman for most of his career, really, until yeah. recently. Then goes on. I mean, he has probably the second best 2019 of anyone in the sport. And if, you know, 18 months, essentially, after knocking out Darren Till, he becomes champion. I'd be very hard pressed to think of anyone who in that stretch of time was able to turn their career around to that degree. But I mean, like. Going back to his strike, look at his strike force days. He fought for the he fought Gilbert Melendez when Gilbert Melendez was legit one of the top fighters in the world. There was a real argument strike Melendez force. was the best lightweight in the world at that point. Yeah, in time. exactly, exactly. Um, and just you know had a decent performance against Melendez, but I feel like most of his career, like Masvidal was like a good fighter, but never really just never that good never truly elite and never good enough to be like a championship contender. Now he definitely does look like that at least like he looks like a guy who could become a champion. Yeah. I, I won't be surprised if he wins again, whether I mm-hmm. think it's probable or not, I don't think it's probable. I'm not going to be shocked if he wins. The man is certainly a good enough fighter, mm-hmm. but that's going to, that is, I think kind of, Trending towards that's going to be your main event unless the fight falls through, which it could. It could. Technically, the fight's not even official. It's still not official yet. Uh, they've dropped some promo material for it today. Uh, the poster's out again. I, both parties have signed. They're just waiting for the testing to come back. Right. But then, uh, then a number of catastrophes could still strike in in, in Abu Dhabi. You never any, know. N- any number of things. That's very true. Um, on the plus side for this card, yeah, the top three fights could all headline a pay-per-view, and don't get me wrong, if Masvidal and Usman actually happens, it is a much better drawing I gotta event. be honest, though, I'm uneasy to have three title fights on one card. I don't think they should do that. Yeah, it's a... It's, it's excessive kind of iffy, to me. It's kind of an iffy thing. Um... Events it can lead to events running really long and I because I remember Strikeforce did that once way back. That was uh, all, their, 
I think their CBS debut, right? And they all went the distance. Yeah, and they all went the distance. And it's like you have three five-round fights. That means all five could – excuse me, all three could eventually go all five rounds. Here's my question for you, though. If Kamaru Usman wins this fight, will you finally consider him to be a great champion? <laughs> hang on. No, no, hang on. Hang on. It's a, it's a legitimate question, and I'm trying to give it legitimate consideration. This would be his second title defense? I, had, I have a hard time saying, any, saying that about anyone with so little time as champion. Um... Some of that, okay. I will say so back, this. Back-to-back Hang wins over, Dos, over Maya, Dos Anjos, Woodley, Covington, and then Masvidal. Yeah, but he only became, but I'm, if we're talking about champion, we only have to count okay. the time since he's been champion. So Woodley, okay. Woodley Co- Covington, and Masvidal. And Masvidal, which is a really great three-fright stretch. Be very clear about that. That is. Well, and it would make him 12-0 in the UFC. He'd be 12-0 in the UFC. He would tie the longest UFC winning streak at welterweight. He and GSP would both be tied at 12. Um, some of that might depend on how he wins. Okay. I think that's – if we're talking about greatness as a champion, there's longevity, there's level of opposition, there's method of victories. There, There's a lot of – it gets kind of noodly, and a lot of okay, it's contextual. Sure, sure. I, look, I will say this. I absolutely consider him the best welterweight in the world. Okay. He is absolutely a great fighter. Phenomenal athlete. And I will, if he becomes, you know, okay, I can say it like this. If he wins, I think he would probably become my number three welterweight champion of all time. Okay, that's fair. Because I, I don't think right now he has the body of work or the level of opposition okay. that GSP does. I don't think anybody does. All right. No, well, that vision. very few, very few do. Very but few it, do. he could probably, if he wins in convincing, dominant fashion, he could probably become number two or three. Okay, sure. Uh, I'm picking – I'm just going to go ahead and pick Usman. There's, there's very – There's just not a lot of reason to pick against him, is there? <laughs> I, I feel like, you know, going back to the Woodley fight, there are very few guys I saw beating Usman after that after that Woodley performance. Um, cause, I, think, I think Covington came as close as you were going to get to somebody beating him. And then he he knocked out Covington in the fifth, and then well, Covington the Covington fight is the most competitive fight of his entire UFC run. I think Burns at least in terms of the grappling gives presents an interesting challenge at least. Yeah. There's a few interesting fights for him to be sure. Again, Burns, I think Mosfidal can, depending on how I wouldn't pick Edward. I wouldn't like on paper. I wouldn't pick Edwards. I wouldn't pick Edwards, but Edwards is another tough guy to get out of there. Like that. Edwards yeah. is on a heck of a run. And Edwards, Edwards would have been on deck, would have been on deck for this fight, but you know, it's because of the pandemic. They can't, he can't really train right now. Um, well, that would be a really that would be a fight. rematch, wouldn't it? Usman's beaten yeah, Edwards already. Yeah, I mean, he's already beaten. Granted, Edwards. years years ago, re, so it is a it's a rematch. Edwards isn't the same guy now Five, that he was then. Yeah, both but both guys really. And then let's see. Uh, Stephen, I would pick him to beat Stephen Thompson for yeah. sure. 
I think Mos Masvidal is a Masvidal is an interesting matchup for him though. Yeah, it's they, just that, but it's just that neither guys really had it. They you're not having a real training camp, no. and how much? Not to mention how much are guys able to even seriously train in the middle of a pandemic either. You know, that's another thing. Um, if you believe Max Holloway. And you can see whether you choose to believe what he has said in this instance or not. He said that he has done zero, zero sparring ahead of his fight. He has had no training partners and his only interaction with his coaches has been over Zoom. Mm. Now, if he's telling if he's telling the truth, he could be lying. Uh, Again, I leave his I leave his credibility up to the individual. Okay, if he is telling the truth. That is a terrible way to prepare for a title fight. Um, Do you think that Mike Perry was gaslighting us last weekend? About what? About his preparation for the fight, having his girlfriend in his corner and all that? No. I think Mac, Mike Perry is just a little bit odd enough of a human being to do it. Okay. I think my conclusion on that is that Something like that can work against a guy like Mickey Gall, who is yeah. was tremendously overhyped. Gall's a gimmick fighter at this yeah. point in the UFC. Yeah, like, there, there's can't, certain... can't pull that nonsense against a, like if it was against Ponzinibbio or a higher level opponent, that would not have worked. Yeah, I completely agree with that. So anyway, that is your main event uh, in theory. Picking Usman. Uh, won't be shocked if Masvidal wins. Okay. Co-main event. Uh, another fight that I've said this in the past. Not the fight I would have made regarding both of these gentlemen. Yeah, but I I'm agree. Not, but I'm not going to complain about seeing this fight again. Let's see. A rematch for the featherweight title. Freshly crowned champion Alexander Volkanovsky against Max Holloway. Um... Should be Zabit. Zabit or the Korean zombie. Because zombie had not zombie was coming off of that really brutal knockout can of Edgar. Fight, can zombie fight right now or is he hurt? I think he can fight. Is he able is he able to get to Abu Dhabi? Like can they line a fight up for him now? I, I I'm not familiar with what South Korea is doing at the moment, so okay. South Korea might be very locked down. Uh Point, again, and, they, like, and they still might want to make that fight with Ortega and him. Yeah. So it, point being, I just don't hate if you were to if you were to tell me at the end of 2019, assuming there is no pandemic in 2020, I my personal leaning would have been zombie had the momentum. Mm-hmm. Zabit could use a main event fight before he fights for the title. And I don't really want to see the immediate rematch. That would have been my logic. But we're in a pandemic now. But we are where we are now. <laughs> so we get the immediate rematch between Volkanovski and Holloway. Um, I'm picking the, Volkanovski, and I think everyone's overlooking him this time. Everyone. I mean, he, he is, he is the better favorite. Holloway. I and I love Holloway. You know I love Holloway. You and I both have been big supporters of Max Holloway to the extent Volkanovski, that, yeah. but Volkanovski is good. Like, he is really damn good, you know? Crazy stat and, about Volkanovski that I that I only stumbled across recently. 
He has never been – he has one loss in his entire career, right? Correct. Do you know what weight class that loss took place at? Uh, welterweight. Welterweight. He's never been beaten at lightweight, and he has several fights there. He's never been beaten at featherweight, where he is now the champion, having in consecutive fights, he knocked out Chad Mendez, 30-27 to Jose Aldo, and then pretty clearly, in my view, 4-1 to one, – at least four to one, if not five to one, beat Max Holloway. Um, Darren Elkins is a tough opponent too. He's not. He, yeah, he smashed he's, Darren Elkins pretty good. <laughs> like Darren Elkins is not a contender, but like he's not an easy. He's not an easy fight. Is my point. You know, not he's at gonna. All. He's a he's a battle tested veteran who will test you in the UFC. Um, I just think it's a bad style matchup for Holloway and. Even though I picked Holloway for the first fight, and maybe this is going to bite me in the backside, but I'm picking Volkanovski here. Well, in their first fight, I picked Holloway as well. I think my I think what I said was I picked Holloway, but I took Volkanovski's chances very, very seriously. Volkanovski's footwork in that fight was excellent. His movement, um, his pace, his pace. Volkanovski's one of the few guys who can match Max, I think, for cardio. He just, yeah. He's always there. Uh, as far as what Max might have to do to change the outcome of this fight, I think he has to. I think he has to mix it up a little bit more. I think he has to. I think he has to be a little. He has to be more active. He has to be more active than Volkanovski. Well, it, it's a weird thing because it's easy to point to. If I shouldn't say easy, there's a few specific things that you can kind of go. Okay, he should start doing. Like well, I don't feel like he really got out of like first gear in the first fight, honestly. Volkanovski did a tremendous job in that first fight of constantly disrupting Max, of constantly countering him, right. of faking him out of his boots to like, the extent that you can with Max Holloway. Using leg kicks. And I, Volk, the crazy thing about Volkanovski is if you just watch the Max Holloway fight – you come away with a very specific impression of his style and his abilities. That being that he operates really, uh, maybe his best in space, despite being the shorter man. But the more space he has, the more he can fake you, the more he can faint you, the more he can read you and operate off of that. If you watch his early fights in the UFC, he has more of a kind of a slightly smaller Khabib vibe going on in that he wants to clinch you. He wants to wrestle you. He wants to pound you out along the fence. He's dangerous in basically every distance of the fight game. And that's a very difficult thing to manage. I'm not sure how – now, to be clear, Max and his coaches know a lot more than I do and have presumably been devoting a lot of time and energy to figuring out the answer to this question. I'm not sure how you disrupt the space that Volkanovsky operates at because he operates in different spaces very, very well, especially if you're Max Holloway. And Max struggles when he's on the back foot a little bit. He can fight while moving backwards if he's actively drawing you in. Mm -hmm. If he's the one kind of being pushed – He's not nearly as effective a fighter under those considerations. Aldo, I, I recall Aldo had a little bit of success against Holloway in the early parts of their fight. 
Uh, I think he won the first round of their first fight. Yeah, um, that's what I remember as well. I think both judges gave Aldo the second round of their first fight. I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the rematch, I think Aldo had a good first round. Mm-hmm. But he just couldn't. Max's game plan against Aldo, I think he said it himself, was to make Jose Aldo do Jose Aldo things at an unsustainable pace. The thing is, the thing is we're not used to seeing Holloway get dominated. Outside of the Poirier fight, which was a, uh, a lightweight title fight, um, the last time we had really seen Holloway get dominated was against Conor McGregor in 2013. Yeah, uh, I'm so I'm not entirely sure what adjustments Max can make that will have a meaningful impact on the overall strategy. I'm curious to see what Volkanovski does differently, like, too. But I just feel like people are not giving Volkanovski the credit he deserves for what he's accomplished, you know? They're not, and it's a and, shame. And I feel, is, is, I feel the marketing is sliding him and just not – I mean, he's the champion. Give this man – this man is deserving of our respect. He's done everything – for for everything we can see, he has done everything the, the right way, Robert, you know? Absolutely. He's look, And he's looked great while doing it. I mean, Volkanovski has not lost a whole lot of rounds even in the UFC. Right. He, I mean, he has beaten, he beat the two stalwarts of the old guard at featherweight in Mendez and Aldo, and then beat the dominant champion in Holloway. I mean, and it's, none of rare those were, see, it's rare to see fighters this good coming out of Australia, right? Other than... It used to be rarer than it is now. Okay. You know, now we have a pretty decent crop, actually, but... I mean, but Adesanya, Vol- I, I mean, Adesanya's from New Zealand, and then we have... Uh, well, Whitaker reps Australia. Whitaker, R- Robert Whitaker. Um, Mark Hunt is technically a New Zealander, right? I believe so. Okay. Well, I mean, Adesanya's technically from Nigeria. Uh, that, yeah, that's when I, so Adesanya was born in Nigeria, even, even though, even, but raised, raised and probably, you know, started his fight career, I guess, in New Zealand. He was, no, he was raised in New Zealand. His, he was born in Nigeria. His parents moved him out of there. Right. His parents relocated when he was young. But of Nigerian birth descent, raised in New Zealand, uh, but, um, Volkanovsky's He's great, and I, I he really is. He is like, a sadly underappreciated yeah, fighter. He's not getting to me. He's not getting the respect he deserves, and I feel like he's being overlooked here. So, I'm picking Volkanovski by decision. Yeah, I'm picking Volkanovski as well. Won't be shocked to be clear. Won't be shocked if Holloway pulls it off because these are two. These are the two best featherweights in the world. Honestly, I could very well see all three title fights going five rounds. I'm less. <laughs> I'm less convinced about the next one, actually, potentially going five. Yeah. I think the way both of those guys fight and the way they match up is just less likely. Possible. So our next fight, again, not the fight I would have made for this particular title, but for the vacant bantamweight title, we have Peter Yan. I know I'm mispronouncing his name, but I'm not sure how to properly pronounce it, so I apologize to Mr. Yan if he's listening. Versus Jose Aldo, who has not actually won a fight at bantamweight, ever. If I had my brothers, 
This would be a Jan and Sterling. I've made that abundantly clear. As for how this fight goes, I'm. this is the one I think I have the least grasp on in terms of how the fight's going to play out, or my real understanding of both guys. Jose Aldo at bantamweight is still a bit of an unknown quality. It's not that he didn't have, you know, at parts of the Marais fight, he looked pretty good. But he still lost that fight. How he will do over five rounds, potentially, at 135 is a big unknown. Um, That said, both men have fought five rounds in the past, Aldo multiple, multiple times. Uh, Jan at least twice. So they're, they've both done it. How Jan's style of fighting matches up with Jose Aldo now that Aldo is more of a straight boxer. You know, Aldo hasn't thrown a lot of leg kicks in the last few years. Whether that's a deliberate strategic decision, whether that's loosely injury related, I don't know. I know that he hasn't thrown a lot of them. Um, Both men are good in the clinch in different ways. Uh, Both men can wrestle if they choose. If this were a three-round fight, I might give Aldo more of a chance than I am here. I I don't pick against Aldo very often. Uh, That said, between the cut, the five rounds... I won't be shocked if Aldo wins. I really won't. In fact, if Aldo wins, he would be... No, no, sorry. That's not true. I was uh, thinking incorrectly about how that was going to play out. Um, you know, if Aldo wins, he might have... Hmm. I might have to look that up. Anyway, I'm going to lean towards Jan here. I think both... They're going to come out and both men are going to look primarily to box. They're, they both do a lot more punching than they do anything else. Jan's really good about finding in-between spots to land damage. His elbow breaks on the clinch. He has good foot sweeps from there. Jose Aldo's takedown defense is the stuff of legend. In fact, Jose Aldo is probably the best anti-wrestler the sport has ever seen, and the man never wrestled before he got into fighting. I just, I'm not sure how Aldo's going to deal with someone who's got the pace that Jan can put on if he chooses to, and Jan's sophistication when it comes to his boxing. I'm really looking forward to the fight. Again, I'm not complaining about it, but I am leaning towards Jan a little bit here. Uh, And of the three title fights, this is the one, if you ask me, you know, which one do I think is least likely to go the distance, I think it would be this one just based on how those two fight and how they match up. That's my takeaway on this. And I can't wait for Sterling to fight the winner, because that's what should be happening. All right, Jeff, what do you got for this one? This fight is an utter joke. It's a clown show. Aldo is not the number one contender. Him getting booked into this fight is nonsense. And you know it. Not the fight I would have made. Not Jose even. Aldo is not even. He's not even. He's not even ranked number two, three, four, or five. He's ranked number six. 
The guy who beat Aldo is ranked number one. The guy who should be fighting this fight, Aljamain Sterling, is number two. So what the hell is going on here? The UFC's rankings don't actually mean what people think they mean. Is kind of how that breaks down. Uh, this is what I eat. Marais is the guy. He won the fight, Robert. He did. And Aldo, Aldo is fighting for the title coming off a loss. Yes, he is. Two, two back, not just one loss, but two back-to-back losses. Has never won a fight at Bantamweight. <coughs> is two and four in his last six. Why is this happening? This is ridiculous. Sterling is Sterling should be fighting for the title. They should yeah. never have booked this fight. They should never have booked this fight ever. It's ridiculous. I really don't. Again, I wish I knew why the UFC decided to go this way. I mean, Do you I could, think Aldo beat Marais? No, I scored that for Marais. I gave that fight to Marais too, and yet. Oh, he uh, Aldo didn't look terrible moving down to Bantamweight and put in a he he put in a spirited performance against Marais. I think you would agree. Oh yeah. yeah. Look, I mean, look. To be fair to that fight, if you do score it for Jose Aldo, I don't okay. think it's wrong. I don't think it's wrong. All right, fine. But he but did. But he did lose the fight. Don't give him a title fight off of that. Don't give him no. a title shot off of that. Look, I don't know if there was maybe language in the contract that he had signed relative to the Cejudo fight that guaranteed him a title fight next. I would need to. I I, I don't know. Paul, I would need to see that to believe that. I would need to see the actual contract or something. Yeah. Again, this is not the fight I would have made. This is not even like. Are they the, making? Are they are, are they doing this to make up for like past slights against Aldo or past perceived slights against Aldo? Like, what is going on here? I don't know. I Aldo was a vocal critic of the UFC at, at one point in yes, time. Yes, he was. Remember? Several years ago. It amuses me to no end on a kind of perverse level how the UFC spent the bulk of Aldo's prime in the UFC essentially downplaying him. And then now that he is not a champion and not in his prime, they're pretending like he was a big draw. Aldo was never a giant draw. He was he is unequivocally, I think, one of the best fighters the sport has ever seen. Right. But that doesn't necessarily translate to box office power. He had an incredible run, but no, he was not a big star as featherweight champion. And, and he clearly butted heads with the UFC that he was, you know, either getting bigger paydays or wasn't getting the stardom he thought he deserved. Yeah, I, I don't know what led to the decision to make this fight. And yet now they're booking him in a fight with for for the vacant title. Like it it's ridiculous. Yeah, again, this, not the fight I would have made. It's moronic. Jan's winning this fight. Jan's gonna win. I will say though, if if Aldo does win that would be a fairly significant turnaround from a guy who's on the – I wouldn't say full-on skid, but whose career has gone the direction it has over the last couple of years. Considering his – let's see. Considering in his last one, two, three, 
uh, four, five, six, uh, seven, eight. Last eight fights, he's gone three and five. Granted, some of those guys, some of those were title fights. And a lot of those fights were against very tough opposition. I mean, yeah, three of those are three of those fights are Holloway and Volkanovski. Still, three and eight, not, three and five in in eight fights is still three and five. Like it's not a great to me. It's not a record where you give a guy a title shot coming off of back to back losses. I'm sorry, it's not. Ah, again, I would not have and made yes, this fight. He is Jose Al- He is Jose Aldo, but he's fighting at a new weight class now. He lost his debut at the weight class. He lost his last fight at featherweight. He shouldn't be fighting for the title. Yeah, Look, I, I don't disagree. Marais, had he beaten Marais, had he decisively beaten Marais. Eh, and I, so think even goes, if the, I think even if the decision just goes his way if in the same fight, if he actually wins that fight, you have a case to make. As it stands, yeah, I don't think there is. Because Cejudo retired and the title is vacant. And we're in the middle of pandemic. And somehow I, I fighting for the vacant it. title is have... neither – somehow fighting for the vacant title is neither the number one nor number two contender. Well, I still would have – I still would have believed it should have been Sterling fighting Jan. Um, I would have been less angry about it as I am now, but I'm very angry about this. And – I, again, I don't know what Aldo wins. I'll be I, if Aldo wins, I'm going to have a connection. I'm going to tell you right now. I imagine that would depend on how he wins. I mean, come on, if he goes out there and looks great and knocks out Jan in two rounds, I mean, I'm not going to throw a fit over that. I mean, <laughs> as long as his next, as long as the winner of this fights Aljamain Sterling next, who is in my mind the clear number one contender. I'm I think what hurt I think what hurt Aldo's UFC title run was the fact he wasn't doing that when he was champion more often than not. Uh, the division was in an odd spot for a, a big chunk of that, and then there was how the UFC chose to matchmake him as well as his input, whatever input he has on it. Like they gave him Kenny Florian to try to make him look good against a bigger a bigger name and former lightweight fighter. The fight was underwhelming. Oh, God, that fight. I still have nightmares about Kenny Florian's brother yelling out in his Boston accent underhooks. Chad, Chad Mendes. He, he did knock out Chad Mendes. The Edgar fight was, yeah, it was okay. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I'm still picking Jan. So am I. It's... Uh, <laughs> Uh, that said, I mean, I'm not going to lie. If Aldo pulls that off, uh, as the guy who, you know, you and I both watched Aldo for the bulk of his WEC and UFC run. True. I do. Ha- I will not deny a bit of sentimental attachment I have to the guy. If he pulls that off, part of me is going to be happy. Uh, and again, as long as that division gets back on track after this fight, I'm willing to... Just kind of put a I'm going to probably go crazy if he wins. I will and laugh maniacally if he wins and then retires. 
That's what I'll do. Like that's what it would take for me to laugh maniacally. He's, he's gonna pay. He's gonna pay Dana White back for all that, all those slights from back in the day. If he goes on a tirade on the mic live, uh, even if it's just in Portuguese and we get translation later from people on the internet, <laughs> uh, I'm, again, I'm not gonna lie. I would laugh hysterically. Considering we thought he was already gonna retire, you know, a few fights ago. Yeah. Uh, I just want that division to get back to normal. Whoever wins this fight, give him Sterling. He's the number one contender. This division is too good to be bogged down by a lot of crappy matchmaking. It's just too good. What has, what has Marais said about all this? Has he said anything? I don't think Marais has said a whole lot. I think he's kind of keeping if his... if I'm him, I'm really angry. He might be very Rightfully angry. so. Yeah, I, if I'm Marais, I'd be pissed. The guy he, I just beat is getting been, a title shot. He's being treated like... he He's been treated like a leper for beating Jose Aldo. Yeah. And that's not right. I completely agree. He's it's not okay. It's not okay to me. I mean, we've seen like two or three other bantamweights that are... Now leapfrogging him in the discussion just because the UFC seems annoyed with Marais for winning that fight. <laughs> I mean, look, I think Sterling's the number one contender. I think Marais should probably be number two right now, but my view of rankings is different than how a lot of the panel does it, apparently. They could have just paid Cejudo what he wanted, what he actually wanted, and he wouldn't have retired. Yeah. I leave the calculation as far as that goes up to people with greater knowledge of the financials than I have. Okay. I mean, look, am I happy that they chose not to pay Henry Cejudo when he left the sport? Not especially. There's, it's not a consideration I would have made, but my, there's only so much, there's a lot of missing information in my analysis of the situation. Okay. Uh, so those are our three title fights. We have two other fights on the main card. A rematch <coughs> pardon me, at strawweight between Jessica, former champion Jessica Andrade and Rose Namajunas. Uh, I'm torn on this one. Um, while Rose looked really, really good in the first round of their first fight, there's a degree of how she fights that I think kind of inevitably leads her to falling into some of what Jessica Andrade does really, really well. Rose is very good about fighting long. She's very good about moving in and out of the pocket. Mm -hmm. What she struggles with, especially if we're talking about her against Andrade is proper, consistent discipline about both her distance to her opponent and her position in the cage. What Joanna Janjacek did to Andrade is very difficult to be that disciplined about where I am, where you are, and where we are in space relative to the fence because I don't want you to ever really get a hold of me because you're physically a tank. If this were a five-round fight again, I would probably pick Andrade a second time because I picked Andrade in their first fight. I'm Over picking Rose. I'm kind of with you over three rounds. Um, yeah. I think Rose, Rose can make the Rose right adjustments. Really 
she usually does well in rematches. Um, uh, she's only had a couple, but yeah. Her last, I mean, she lost the first fight to Tisha Torres. And it's also weird because Rose is not that experienced, you know? In terms of her number of fights, no, she isn't. Um, In terms of pro fights, she's only had 12 versus 20, I want to say, is it 28 for Jessica Andrade? 27? 27. Uh, nah, I'm gonna pick Rose. It's it's still weird circumstances. Um, Andrade is good, but her run as champion was very fleeting. You know. I think she got a bad style matchup uh, when she ran into Wei Lei Zhang and then fought her in the worst way possible to fight that particular yeah. fighter. I would say both women s- sort of have a bit of. I think they have both issues with consistency. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, again, I'm picking Rose. Won't be shocked either way on this yeah, fight. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Either woman could win in any fashion, and I wouldn't be shocked. And kicking off the main card, um, ooh boy. Uh, Paige Van Zandt is fighting Amanda Hibas. Um the UFC is really trying to cash out Paige Van Zandt in a hard way. This is a rough fight for her. Um, this is her first fight since January 2019, so a solid year and a half. Solid 18 months. And she's fighting a woman who is 9-1, 3-0 in the UFC, and has looked really good in all of those fights. Um. The UFC seems to be annoyed with Van, some of the Van Zant talking about her, uh, the financials of the UFC and whatnot, because she's been pretty vocal about the fact that a short stint on Dancing with the Stars made her more money than her entire UFC run. Uh, I'm picking I'm picking Hibas. I think she's a better fighter than Paige Van Zant is. It's just kind of that's kind of the extent of my calculation here. <laughs> I'm also picking Hebus. Uh, anyway, that is the main card. It's a really those top three fights are all really good on paper. I mean, again, they're good. I just think, but uh, you know, on paper is on paper. Execution is another thing. And they're tempting fate a little bit here when it comes to three title fights. Yeah. Um, not only that, I. I'll get to the rest of the card in a second, but I do want to point something out from, uh, I think, John Morgan. Make sure I have that correct. Yeah. Who is in Abu Dhabi at the moment for the event. Uh, This was from yesterday. At 6.45 in the morning, it was 93 degrees with 66% humidity, which converts to it feels like 115 degrees. That's all Fahrenheit for anyone uh, who's on the... Celsius scale, I think if you convert that to Celsius, it's like low to mid-30s, uh, or low or mid-30s to high-30s, and that's early in the morning. Uh, the main card for this event will start at, I think, 9 a.m. in Abu Dhabi. And... If there's not some kind of serious cooling measures going on, uh, you know, 
around the mat area. If this goes long and that main event starts around noon, yeah, that's that's brutal in a way that should not be allowed. Um, well, well, everything, even though this is Fight Island, everything is indoors. Well, which is a which is what leads me to believe they could have put up some kind of either air conditioning or some, I don't care if it's just fans down there. Look, cage side. Have you been to Vegas over the summer, Robert? Uh, on occasion, yes. I've been to Ve- I've been to UFC fights in Ve- like I went to Sonnen versus Silva two in the middle of the summer in Vegas and it, and I was dying out there like it was over a hundred degrees and this is not like they've been uh, they've had an outdoor event in Abu Dhabi and it was clearly like. It was clearly the heat was clearly getting to some of those guys. I think they'll be okay. Is what I'm saying. I well, all of the inside of the MGM of the Vegas venues again are properly ventilated and air conditioned. Also, the humidity in Vegas is different than Abu Dhabi. Vegas is a lot drier. I, I my only thing here. I don't know. Have you seen the setup they have? It looks pretty luxurious. Like, they look like they're going to be in a better circumstance than I am right now. Well, considering the ability of the gov- relevant government in question to employ slave labor practices, then I wouldn't well, be surprised. Look, I'm not necessarily levying that accusation about this facility. I don't have any evidence of that. The facility, it looks like a nice facility to me. It does. But that I, said, I did see that one image. I think John Morgan also posted it of... Uh, of like a shuttle or bus driver and he had plastics. He had plastics like taped all around him because of the pandemic. Yeah. I thought it was amusing. My big thing about this is make you get, you better make sure that the center of that cage is properly ventilated because two human beings fighting in 90 plus degree temperatures, probably if we're talking noon in Abu Dhabi, it's going to baseline be over 100 with that's, I, I that's assume before the humidity. Be. I assume it will be. Um, but if it won't, I imagine we will hear about it. If it's not, that is uh, – again, that should be criminal. If it's well, not, like that's re- – That's not something I'm worried about for this card. I'm – I again, I'm not overly concerned, but I am just throwing it out there. They – Okay. That is a consideration that had better. What will happen? Addressed. Will there feet? Will will it be like stepping on like really hot sand? Like what it's gonna? What um, will you compare it to? One is yeah, the canvas gets real gets very hot. Really, it's just the physical toll it takes on you. I mean, okay. you see, have you ever seen the third fight between uh, Frazier and Ali? Uh, I can't say that I have Watch where, that where was that fight uh the philippines it was in manila was it outside it was in an improperly ventilated facility i believe it was outside okay. it was um, also in 1975 I, i'm aware the the thermodynamics don't change okay it, those two men came unbelievably close to killing themselves fighting in those conditions they got they they got to take care of that for this fight. 
I hope they do. And if you ask me, do I have confidence that the UFC has addressed that concern? I am more confident than I am not confident. I am just saying it because I think it does need to be said, okay. given the conditions that they will potentially be fighting under. Wasn't the first Abu Dhabi fight outdoors? Um, the the uh, Maya versus... Maya uh, versus Silva, Penn versus Edgar? Yeah, I think that was outdoors, yeah. Well, that one also took place in the evening, as opposed to the morning. But... It looked like the heat was getting to some of those fighters on that event, as I recall. Absolutely, it did. <laughs> um, I think it did for their second one, too. And I, remember, and I remember some of the coaches on like uh, were on the radio beforehand. They were saying they weren't worried about it. Like, are You're you not, sure? He, they'll say they're not worried about it, but I guarantee you they're either lying or stupid. If they're saying that. It that felt, is a real consideration. Okay. You, again, you go out there and just run in 90 plus in you know 90 plus degree temperatures, and it's brutal. Suppose, you go out there and fight. I mean, if they're able to give these guys their own restaurants and training facilities, I have to assume they have this ventilation issue at least considered or t- you know addressed they, to a reasonable degree. Sure, addressed to a reasonable degree. Yes, yeah. and uh, I just bring it up because I think it needs to be said. They better okay. have addressed that because right. it is well, profoundly unsafe if they have. Now right. I want it. Now I now I need to now for my mind to be at ease. I need to know this answer, Robert. Feel free to tweet at any of the journalists uh, on site and ask them. See if any okay. of them have information. I because, might do that now. I might reach out to Brett Okamoto or Ariel Hawani. Look, I. If you want to know one of the places I potentially draw the line at my personal ethics around watching combat sports. The conditions of combat being wildly beyond the bounds of what should be expected is one of the things I, I won't watch. Uh, certain I won't watch certain events or certain fights if I don't have confidence in. Yeah, I remember safety walking, of those. Just walk, I'll tell you, just walking around the MGM Grand, I was I was getting hot and uncomfortable during some of those fights. When we're talking about like 105 degree weather. Yeah, it's a it is a real consideration. And there's only and I'm aware there's only so much you can do from a logistics standpoint. It's still going to be hot and OK. I'm not I'm not demanding that they fight at a perfect 68 degrees Fahrenheit. But there need there are there are reasonable steps that should be taken because fighting like that under really really hot conditions especially if there's relatively high humidity that's how people get you can get serious medical complications from that you can not only sure. not, not just low level heat stroke but you can die from overexerting yourself under those conditions well and i hope you, it's not like what happened with fraser and ali yeah that was god that was such a that was such a brutal fight not just because of how they fought each other, which was brutal in its own right. I mean, the fact that Ali was ready to quit on his stool and that the, the end of that fight is a is a singular decision from either corner away from being the opposite. Because Ali goes back and sits down between the last rounds 
and says, I'm done. Don't send me back out there. And his trainer, Angelo Dundee, says, shut up. You're going back out there. Frazier, who is blind in one eye and his good eye has now swollen essentially completely shut, goes back to his corner and his trainer says, I'm not sending you back out there to die. And Frazier's response is, no, I'm not done yet. But his corner stopped that fight. And to his... To the eternal credit of Frazier's corner in that fight, he never regretted that decision. Uh, anyway, props to, to this Fra- card. Props to Frazier's corner there in that situation. Yeah, uh, a sadly unsung great boxing trainer. All right, rest of this card. Uh, you're, uh, we have a light heavyweight fight between Vulcan Uztamir and Yuri Proschaka. Uh, I know I'm not saying that right. I apologize. Um. Conventional logic says Uzdemir, but Projaka has been tearing things up recently on, uh, if you pay enough attention to the you know, the more regional scenes, especially uh, in that part of the world. He is from, I think he's Polish. Uh, he's very good. I'm going to pick Uzdemir, but uh, that's a crazy one. Uh, we have a really good welterweight fight, actually, between Elizu Zaleski Dos Santos and Muslim Salikov. I expect a lot of spinning stuff. Um, Dos Santos on a really good run. Uh, unfortunately, that is... He's only lost twice in the UFC. Unfortunately, one of those was recently to Lee Jing Leong. Uh, and Salikov won his last three. Uh, this is a really good fight, actually. This could probably be on the main card of this... You could probably swap this in the Van Zant fight, and I think that's probably a better indicator of divisional relevance. I'm going to lean towards Dos Santos, but uh, again, good fight. Uh, featherweight fight between Makwan Amir Khani and Danny Henry. Uh, probably going to lean towards Henry. He lost his last fight, but. Uh, he fought Dan Ige in his last fight. Dan Ige is a very tough out. Amir Khani got finished by Shane Burgos. That one could go either way. I'm going to lean Henry, but eh, flip a coin. A lightweight Leonardo Santos. Hey, he's been out for a while. Yeah, it's been a little over a year for him. He knocked out Stevie Ray. And then before that, he had a really long layoff. Jeez. Uh, he is fighting Roman Bogatov. This was supposed to be somebody else, wasn't it? I feel like this was supposed to be somebody else. Uh, no. Huh. Gonna pick Santos then. I feel pretty confident there. Uh, early prelims. Uh, we have Holly and Paiva and. Zalgas Zumagulov. Let's see. Paiva. One and two in the UFC. Uh, Whereas Zumagulov is making his UFC debut. I'm actually going to pick Zumagulov. Uh, We have a bantamweight fight between Carol Rosa and Vanessa Mello. Probably going to go Mello there. Uh, bantamweight fight between Davy Grant and Martin Day. I feel okay picking Grant there. Uh, Davy Grant is—he's been up and down in the UFC, but he's pretty legit. 
And somewhere on this card will be a heavyweight fight between Marcin Tabora and Maxim Grishin. Um, this was supposed to be Tabora and the debuting Alexander Romanov. I would have picked Romanov, actually, in that case. I'll pick Tabora over Grishin, but it's heavyweight. I just hope it doesn't suck. It's going to suck. All right, Jeff, uh, there's some decent fights there. What do you want to touch on? What are your burning desires for the Let's prelims? Let's see. I think uh, Dos Santos versus uh, Salikov is actually a decent matchup. Um, Leonardo Santos versus Ramon, uh, uh, Ro- excuse me, Roman Bogatov. Santos is an underrated fighter. I think that's going to be a good fight. Um, Ustamir is fighting, who is his opponent? Yuri Fozaka. Prozaka, who is from Czechia. Is Chechen? C Z E C H I A. Let me look that up. Hang on. Bring up topology. <laughs> Czech Republic. Uh, he's Czech. Oh, he's, he's Czech. Czech Slovakian. Um, well, he'd be Czech. There's Czech. There's the Czech Republic and then Slovakia. Let's see. So Prozaka has. He's made. He's He's fought a couple guys with some names, but like not like like he fought Muhammad Lawal, but it was in 2019 in Ryzen. Fabio He's on a a longer winning streak than I gave him credit for. Jeez. Yeah. I mean, sure. Some of of these guys are just guys you find outside the UFC, but he's coming off of that that knockout over CB Dalloway that was really good. And also Fabio Maldonado. So. Point being, I'm not sure he's going to win here, but he's he's a legitimate fighter. He's a legit fighter who's earned a slot, but he is he is fighting a, like an experienced veteran like Uzmir, who's who's coming off two back to back wins. So not an easy fight for either guy. Yeah, not an it's not an easy fight for your UFC debut, but um, it could be potentially a chance for Pajaka to scoring an upset but i wouldn't predict eh, so that could be interesting so there's a few interesting matchups here and there nothing earth shattering it's not a i wouldn't call it a stack set of prelims it's not stacked but again there's a few diamonds in there i think all right that will be on saturday ufc 251 i uh, hope you'll all join me in the mma zone of 411 mania um later in that same week to be on July 16th. Yeah, July 16th. We have UFC on ESPN plus 30. Also taking same venue. Uh, and this card, it's not great. A lot of these fights had fallen out and been reshuffled. Um, but the top two fights are both very good. Mm. Your main event is Calvin Cater and Dan Ige, and I'm. That's a five-round main event. Yes, it is. If not for Frankie's aging experience, I'd almost, I'd almost say that should be the main event. If Frankie were in a different spot in his career, I would agree. I yeah, but Frankie, the miles on him, the number of five-round wars he's been in, I think it's better. He's on a – I mean, isn't Edgar on like a losing streak? Right, that he is. I think it's better he's fighting in his, I guess, his Bantamweight debut. Yeah. 
in three rounds. So, and look, I'm not. I kind of understand why it's not the main event. Yeah. So, and, and look, Cater versus Ige is not the sexiest fight, but you're talking about two incredibly proficient strikers, two guys who can fight anywhere. Ige's been doing good. He's looked good lately, and he uh, deserves a big fight now. Yeah, Ige's coming off of. I mean, he's only lost once in the UFC, and that was his debut. Uh, okay, the Barboza fight. Uh, the Barboza fight was very close. In fact, I think if you score that for Barboza, you're probably more correct than scoring it for Ige. But that's not what the, that's not how the record reflects it. So he's on a good winning streak. Uh, the Kadar and Kadar just beat Jeremy Stevens by knockout. Knock, oh, that was brutal. That was a brutal finish. It's a, it's a, you know. I mean, Cater's only losses in the UFC are Hanato Moicano when Moicano was on a really good run. This is a Zabit. good fight. I'm just not sure it's a main event quality fight. Under normal circumstances, it's not. But it's a but middle it, of the week. An e, it's, it's ESPN, yeah. And it's it's an, on it's ESPN Plus slash ESPN, I think. This might only be on ESPN Plus. It's a middle of the week card. I'm just yeah. The main I think you're right. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's uh, so you know the kind of long and the short of that being getting they're they're trying to get these guys some fights basically. I'm not sad about either of these guys getting a five round fight. I'd like to see them both over five rounds. Ige especially. Ige does seem to be trending more up at the moment than Cater, but if Cater beats Ige, that's certainly a big deal. It's two re- it's two very relevant featherweights. And you're doing the best with what you can. Um, I imagine we're going to see worse main events than this in the coming weeks. So I'm I'm not going to complain about it. Uh, I do agree with you, though, that, you know, under normal... Is Davidson Figueredo actually going to make weight this time? I'm going to laugh if he misses weight again and then just stops Benavides again. Uh, Benavides, I believed in you. I believed in you, man. The craziest thing about that fight, if Benavides fought how he normally fights, he should have won. I don't know. Maybe maybe when it comes to Benavides, the years of Miles of a, caught up. That's one hell of a mulligan, man. That's one hell of a mulligan. He is. That is very true. He is extremely fortunate. He's getting that one back right away. Uh, I think under, I, almo- I, I, I almost can't even pick him anymore. I, I, for the record, I won't be. He's lost every UFC title fight he's ever been in. Um, not only that, he's what? Almost 40. Is he that old? Let me look that up. Hang on. I want to confirm that. He's Is 35. That a, okay. That's basic for, for a fight career. And we've <laughs> fought as al- long as he, he is. Will he, is 30, he will almost be 36. He was born on July 31st of 84. He's had a, I mean, Benavides has had a pretty long career and he's had a lot of fights. So, yeah, I mean, long career, tough weight classes, tough, op, tough, tough opponents. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's had, he's dealt with some injury layoffs. It's, Okay, it's so not been easy for him. anyway, um, then we have Munoz versus uh, Frankie Edgar and uh, another fight I'm really looking forward to. Frankie's Bantam. This is supposed to be Frankie's Bantamweight debut, basically. That is correct. Um, Frankie, 
Frankie is closer to 40. He's 38. Yeah. And he's had... This will be his 33rd fight. So... And he's had some wars in that time period, man. That yep. is not an easy 33-fight <laughs> career. Uh, the bulk of that's just been in the UFC. Munoz uh, last fought 238, lost to Aljamain Sterling by decision. Uh, t- yeah. But he knocked out Cody Garbrandt before that. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. actually picking Munoz here. I'm leaning toward Munoz, but you can almost you can almost never completely count Frankie out. I'm I'm not gonna I, I'm with you there. I'm not counting him out, but I think I think Father Time is knocking on his door at this point. I agree, <laughs> you know? but you know Frankie in the past Frankie has bounced back from tough losses before. He has, and if he wins, I will not be shocked. But at 38 cutting to 135 for the first time against a I will say this Munoz is a stylist in terms of style Munoz is a fairly I wouldn't say safe Munoz is not a fast bantamweight he's he's not a young he's not a dangerous young buck you know yeah yeah, it's not like when it's not like when Frankie was put in there against Brian Ortega. It's a different. Yeah, Th- a little this different. Is, Munoz is a more this is more of a measuring stick fight for Frankie. And mm. I, I uh, except I it's not say, quite it's not quite like the time he fought Yair Rodriguez, you know? Yeah, somewhere between those two points. <laughs> I, uh, I think I am leaning toward Pedro Munoz, but we'll see. Won't be shocked if Frankie wins, but I, we are much, much closer to the end of Frankie Edgar's career than I think a lot of people realize. Yeah, I think we can just do quick rundown for the rest of this one. Yeah, I'd agree with that. All right. Um, for the rest of the main card, we have Abdul Razak Al-Hassan against uh, Monair Lazé. Is he French? Because if he's French, I'm pronouncing that correctly, or more or less correctly. If he's not... I am not. Is he? Oh. Tunisian. He is Tunisian. That might still be the French pronunciation. He could be for like French Tunisian. Well, Tunisia's had some very, Tunisia's had some weird occupation over the years. On the other hand, it might just, I mean, it's the first thing that leads me to think that there's, you know, the French influence there. Yeah. I'm going to still go with Lazé, but if it's Lazé's, I won't be shocked. He might be the first Tunisian fighter in UFC history, now that I think about it. Uh, not getting an easy welcome. Uh, Abdul Razak Al-Hassan is a tough fight. Um, Al-Hassan has knocked out his last three opponents in the UFC. All of his UFC wins have come by knockout. Uh, I, I'm going to lean towards Al-Hassan there. I don't know enough about Lazé. Uh, Chris Fishgold will fight Jared Gordon. You know, for a lower, you know, lower on the card kind of fight, that's a really good fight, actually. Uh, Jared Gordon, rough stretch recently, one and three in his last four. Uh, Fishgold, I think, is one and one in the UFC. One and two, excuse me. He lost to Amir Khani. 
I'm gonna pick Gordon there, but again, low key, kind of a kind of a fight you can look forward to. Uh, as for the prelims, we have Molly McCann against Talia Santos. Should I remembering Santos correctly? Yeah, I am. She lost a UFC debut. I'm actually gonna pick McCann there. Uh, we have Ricardo, ha- uh, excuse me, Ricardo Hamos against ugh, apologies, uh, Lerone Murphy. Murphy had a UFC debut not too long ago, I seem to recall. Oh, sorry. Apparently, before that, we have Liana Jauja against Diana Belbicha. Uh, both women, I think, lost their UFC debuts. Uh, Belbita to Molly McCann, and then Jauja to uh, Sarah Morris, yeah. I'm going to lean towards Jauja, actually, there. Again, as for Hamos and Murphy, uh, Murphy, yeah, he won his UFC debut. I fought to a draw, excuse me, with Zubaira to Hugov. It was a tough fight. Whereas Hamos, I think he, yeah, he's on a two-fight winning streak. Going to go with Hamos there. Uh, John Phillips, still with the UFC for some reason. Uh, coming off of a win after going 0-3 to start, he will be fighting Dusko Todorovic, who is Serbian. Todorovic? Todorovic, okay, go with that. Who is undefeated. Uh, gonna go with Todor- actually Todorovic there. I don't pick John Phillips at this point. Uh, we have a flyweight fight buried on the prelims because, of course, it is. Uh, Tim Elliott will fight Ryan Benoit. That's a pretty good fight, actually. Uh, Benoit's had a rough run of it lately. So is Tim Elliott, but... Yeah, Benoit's still, been trading wins and losses. Still like watching Tim Elliott fight, though. He's a very watchable fighter. I've always enjoyed watching him fight, even though he's not been the most successful. Um, going to pick Elliot here, actually. I mean, both of these guys are just wildly inconsistent. And some of these are not still... Sorry, some of this card is a little bit wonky in that there's fights that are constantly being moved around or whatnot. Uh, I think the last thing I want to mention here. Uh, okay, there's a couple. We have a light heavyweight fight between Aaron Phillips and Jack Shore. Uh, Shore undefeated, had a successful UFC debut. Phillips, uh, 12 and 3, making his UFC debut. Had a fight in the UFC before, didn't he? Oh yeah, he had a, he had two fights in the UFC. He lost both of them. Uh, back in 2014, geez, he's been out for a, he's been working his way back. Uh, get a picture there, and then a light heavyweight fight between Modestus uh, Bukas. Whoa, um, Bukowskis, who is Lithuanian, so I'm probably mispronouncing that. He's making his UFC debut against Andreas. Uh, need to see where the I's and A's are on that. Uh, Mikhail. 
Mikalidis, going with that, uh, who is also making his UFC debut. Okay. I'm going to have to choose one of those to type out. The other one I can control C. <laughs> That's going to suck. I'll go with uh, Mikalidis. But a lot of these are in flux. And a lot of fights are falling out left and right. To the shock of no one, given, you know, the state of the world. All right, that's the rest of that card. Jeff, anything stand out to you? Anything you want to touch on? Shout out? Nope. Alrighty then. Give me one second. Jeez. Apologies for the way I sound. I am more congested than I realized. All right, uh, that will be on, again, the 16th. So that is Wednesday. Thursday, sorry. Thursday the 16th. Um, oh, we didn't have to do that this week. I suck. My math is terrible. Well, we'll see how that card holds together, and we'll potentially revisit it next week. <laughs> My bad. Should have double-checked that. Oh, well. Still good content. We're very grateful for your continued support, despite my derping all over the schedule on occasion. <laughs> so that will be in a couple of weeks, but uh, big one again, UFC 251. All right. Uh, as far as news goes, I think the big news of the week, uh, the promotion Glory Kickboxing, has. it was initially reported they had declared bankruptcy. I believe that was corrected to be having gone into receivership, which might seem like a really noodly difference, but it does kind of matter. Uh, there's some reports coming out now that Glory hadn't been paying uh, their appropriate bills since the fight between Rico, the second fight between Rico Verhoeven and Bader Hari. Um, if Glory kickboxing does just go away, that is a massive, massive thing for the combat sports landscape. That is one of the bigger kickboxing promotions there is going the way of the dodo. See, Beyond Kickboxing is saying they're organization closed offices in the Netherlands and fighters haven't been paid yet for glory collision two, which was December, 2019. Yeah. Not a good look. Uh, that would, again, that's a big part of the kickboxing landscape gone. That would leave basically K one. Um, I don't know how many of these guys one might pick up. I know one has a kickboxing division, uh, but where uh, Israel Adesanya got his start, really. A lot of guy, a lot of very talented guys have come through Glory. I mean, Rico Verhoeven is a great fighter to watch. Bader mm. Hari is great to watch. Uh, there's, a, if you're into kickboxing, you know, uh, it sucks to see Glory potentially going away. Uh, it sucks for the fighters. You know, there's a lot of guys there that are going to be out of a visible platform. And kickboxing has, you know, somewhat dwindling options in terms of its you know, wide-scale presentation to the world. So there were tweets from Aaron Bronstetter who said they filed for bankruptcy. Those have since been deleted. So yeah, again, I think that was corrected by the relevant okay. parties to because receivership is different than bankruptcy. Right. Again, I know it's it seems like a really pedantic distinction, but legally it matters. Bankruptcy is very different. 
Uh, again, neither is good, but... Okay, this is from uh, MMA journalist Giovanni uh, Tijin. Sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. According to reliable sources close to Gloria, I have heard the following. Core Hammers was fired. Remen Dalder has been fired. The office is closed. Um, more info soon. Things are not go. Basically, things are not going well. That is, yeah, yeah, this is horrible news for the kickboxing world. Uh, like uh, kickboxing is not popular in the U.S., but it is fairly popular overseas. Yeah, depending on where you are in the world. And it's kind of odd that it never really took off in the U.S. It's not really – I'm not really sure why it never did, I suppose is the best way to phrase that. I can speculate, but I I don't really have a good – handle on why it never found a real audience here i think there were attempts it just never took off yeah i i think it was versus i remember one of the channels that used to have wec used to have like live kickboxing fights yeah and i mean bellator's tried it on occasion uh Uh, hdnet now Access TV used to have kickboxing. Yeah, Strikeforce would uh, Strikeforce would co-promote with kickboxing too. Yeah, I'm. It's amazing to me with all the uh, with as many avenues as there are for content that we never really found that kickboxing never really found a home here in the states. I wonder uh, if uh, Viacom or DAZN will step in here, or someone, or a Fight TV, or someone will try to throw some cash around uh we'll see who it's... owns do we know who owns DAZN like uh i i DAZN don't is its own thing i guess so it probably so i believe it will so it would probably then have you know a bunch of a handful of owners probably i don't think they're publicly traded now i've heard i've heard DAZN has had its pro- problems of its own oh yes it has <laughs> like um they like are they, yeah they are, are they struggling have- to get content. Uh, they are struggling to. They threw a lot of money at a couple of boxers in particular. Yeah, to get some boxing exclusivity, right? Yeah, and the problem that turned out to have arisen from that is any boxer not contracted with DAZN doesn't really want to fight with any DAZN fighters because DAZN doesn't have pay per view. And if you're a boxer, who is on pay-per-view, you get a big cut of that. You get a cut, and you're just losing right. money by fighting someone. I suppose the, there's never been a real way to get those two sides of the aisle together in terms of how does you know Top Rank co-promote with uh, – I think Eddie, Eddie Hearn might be a Top Rank guy, but point being, if you have two other entities, you know, Top Rank and – golden boy i think golden boy is disowned but just bear with me here right if those two entities both use the pay-per-view model all they have to do is negotiate you know revenue split and whatnot if you have someone who is say top rank which is pay-per-view and then third entity that is disowned there's not really a way to mesh those two financial considerations together so DAZN has exclusivity to Canelo, 
but they're struggling to really kind of get people on board with fighting him in a meaningful capacity. They have exclusivity for Anthony Joshua, but because of that, they're not really in a position to find – they're really struggling to find a way to get Joshua versus Wilder or Joshua versus Fury off the ground. Yeah, that's why boxing is such a big mess. It's a, do, it's just a slightly You should be mess. able to book those fights. You should be able to book those fights and book those fights easily. Um, yeah. I mean, even yeah. the ones that make sense and even the ones that can be made logistically can occasionally have serious issues getting made. Okay. I mean, it's, uh, it's the nature of boxing, I guess. Okay. Also, uh, ESPN's Brad Okamoto is reporting that Ricardo Lamas versus Ryan Hall is on for UFC Fight Night on August 29th. And it would, see, uh, yeah. Good to see Ryan Hall back in the cage. I like watching the guy fight. Uh, and that's a, that's a tough fight for him, too. That's a tough fight for both guys. I like, yeah. I'm perfectly okay with that fight. Um, okay, has anything else? Uh, Paige Van Zandt wants to test free agency. Good luck. This is the last fight on her contract. Contract one coming up with Amanda Hebis. Is is it worth noting that Conor McGregor, guys like Conor McGregor, you know, longtime rivals of Khabib, sent him condolences regarding his father, Tony Ferguson, as well, and Justin Gagey. Yeah, again, we we touched a little bit of this on this with uh, when we talked about Abdulmanap, but. Anybody, apparently, anybody that ever met and interacted with him, uh, came away with a positive experience. You know, there's not too many people that say negative things about him. I mean, I know Connor did the whole fight promotion thing, but a lot of that is just, you know, fight promotion talk. Even though um, he, he did take it too far. Unequivocally. <laughs> Uh, okay. Uh, when it comes to losses like that, it's amazing how many fighters who even who genuinely hate each other. When it comes to those kinds of losses, we'll say, I mean, both John Jones and Daniel Cormier, for example, who, uh, you know, those two do not like each other at all. Never have, probably never will. They, when, uh, when, Corm- when D- John Jones' mother passed, Cormier sent his expressed sincere condolences. When Daniel Cormier's, uh, I think his stepfather, passed, John yeah. sent him you know, sincere well, condolences. You know, they- they're both. I mean, I mean, Cormier is a he's a good human being. He doesn't want, you know, when John messes up, he's not, he's he's not like I told you so. I told you John was a, he's. He has a, a remarkable amount of self-awareness when John screws up, and, and if anything, he seems sad. He seems disappointed that John is constantly messing up his life, but whatever. Well, uh, Gagey, as far as Gagey's um, condolences yeah. go, Gagey doesn't surprise me. If you listen to him talk, he's generally a very classy. Well, not only that, guy. he all one of the the first people he credits, basically either the first or the last. And I say that just because he wants to make sure they're remembered. Uh, he always credits his parents with who he yeah. became. 
uh, that is a big, big deal for him. His fa- his familial relations and how he thinks about that as it relates to society and other people are incredibly important. He talked about wanting to be like a, like a, a social worker with like kids if he wasn't fighting. Yeah, that's what his degree is. Uh, he has a degree in social work of some variety. Tell you something. If anybody's going to break up a fight in a, you know, a youth home or whatnot, he'd do it. Uh, so, and given Khabib's relationship with his father, it doesn't really surprise me that you know Gagey would you know, kind of say something like that, knowing how important families are to him personally and how they are how important they are to Khabib as well. It, it seems like that's a, a point of common worldview between the two of them. Okay, just to run down some quick betting odds from Sports Betting AG uh, for next weekend. Usman is uh, minus 310. Uh, Masvidal is plus 260 for their still technically unofficial fight. Holloway is plus 200. Volkanovski is minus 235. Aldo is plus 200. Uh, Patreon is minus 235. Those are the main... That all seems about right. Uh, I I kind of... Nothing I would say is egregious there. I kind of agree with all those betting lines. Well, the Usman-Mosfidal one is very new, so that will shift as betting comes in. It is new. Yeah. Yeah, so that one's going to shift as betting comes in. These are all going to shift as we get close, um, because the way bets come in affect the lines. But I think if you were to ask me, you know... Is Volkanovski should Volkanovski be about a two to one favorite in the rematch with Max? Yeah, I think so. Or, or you know, better way, is Max about a two to one underdog? That will I imagine that line will close up a lot as we get closer to fight time. But yeah, given how their first fight went, yeah, that's that's probably about fair. Uh, all right, let me check Twitter one more time. See if anything potentially crazy has happened as it relates to the serious. I mean, I mean, for that fight, for that uh, Gilbert Burns fight to fall apart, just like, like late Friday night, just a, just over a week out before Fight Island uh, at UFC. It's crazy. It's going to happen more frequently. Uh now that the with the UFC's testing protocol in place, the more they go, the more they adhere to that, as they try to keep their schedule going, they're gonna find more people that test positive. Uh, okay, here's another fight announcement: Luke Sanders versus Chris Gutierrez for UFC on August first. Not a bad fight. Uh, Carla Esparza versus Marina Rodriguez rebooked for July 25th in Abu Dhabi. That's a good fight. Yeah, I can live with that one. Let's see. I mean, they, uh, oh, they wound up, I think this last week they announced uh, Michelle Watterson and Angela Hill. That's for a shortly upcoming event, I think. Peter Barrett versus Steve Garcia on August 8th. 
Um, Frankie Signs versus Jonathan Martinez. UFC on August 1st. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of, you know, fight filler cards that are getting announced at the moment. This is hilarious. This this headline on MMA fighting is hilarious. Dan Hooker avoids any injuries at UFC on ESPN 12. Hopes to revisit Dustin Poirier fight. Maybe he wasn't quote unquote injured, but he was beat up after that fight. Uh, did you see the photo he posted of him? Uh, because going back to New Zealand, he has to be in quarantine for 14 days. Uh, he can see his family, but they have to stay like 14 feet apart. So there's a picture of him talking with his kid. They're each on, there's, you know, a guardrail space, other guardrail. Uh, it's you kind of, you kind of low key heartbreaking, you know, the stuff you put yourself through for a hundred grand. Yeah, I see that he does. He, he is looking back. He, uh, he he has he has healed up. So I mean, a lot of the swelling from right after the fight has gone down. Yeah, the stitches are out for the cuts he suffered around his eye. So yeah, he avoided I think like serious layoff related injury, but the, yeah, that is something of an amusing headline. Neither those, he cu- the, those were some nasty looking cuts too. So oh, modern yeah. medicine, modern you know, modern medicine is pretty impressive. I will say that. Yeah, he, have you seen Alistair Overeem's lip? No, not yet. Oh, He's, oh, 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah like, yes, looks no, like yes. it looks almost like nothing happened. <laughs> That's not even the worst scar on his face yeah. anymore. Yeah, yeah. And that was a gnarly but, cut. But after the fight, he did not look good. No, again, they both oh, went to the hospital to the shock of no one. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking at that, but I'm looking at that picture of Hooker right now with his, his, his is this his little girl? I think so. Oh, man. Ugh. Did all that for $117,000. Well, he got fight of the night, right? Yeah. Is that Does that include his fight of the night bonus? I believe so. Ugh. I think he's right around... He's give him like another right. 100... Give him another 100 grand at least. You know, I don't know. Again... They, I know it's easy for me to say that, I, but come I, man. I am very well aware that you and I don't actually have to deal with the financial ramifications of what we're suggesting, but yeah, those two needed another zero at those the end of their paycheck. Gave, they, those guys gave us a piece of their lives, you know? Absolutely. They literally gave us a piece of their lives for our entertainment. I love that. Listen, I loved that fight, but man, the, those guys... Man, they gave us... That's probably the second best fight of 2020. I Look... I'm not unaware the toll this takes on, on, you know, these guys' livelihoods, their bodies. And yes, it is a brutal sport, but excuse me. Again, I think they could at least get properly compensated for it, right? Again, again, they have they have to do that for themselves. I feel the same way about it in WWE. It's it's up to them. And I have no problem. I have no problem with the stance Mosfet all took. He said, and I hope, provided he's ta- he's taking this fight, I hope he and his management got what they wanted out of this to take I, this fight, especially on short notice. I mean, yeah, you know, I I at a bare minimum, he should make more for this fight than he did for the Diaz fight. Bare minimum. Yeah. 
Um, Both those guys should be making a lot more than they are. Technically, before taxes and fees, Hooker got 160000 Okay, 160. So he's 110, 110, and then that's the 50. So before any taxes, he did all that for $160,000. Right. I would not put myself through that for 160 grand. <laughs> I, I wouldn't do it. I mean, I mean, not just not being able to to hold his little girl for two weeks. I mean, ugh, that's that's dev- it's de- it's devastating. Yeah, I I would not go. Th- There's certain physical activities that I think everyone kind of goes, well, sure, I'd do that for X amount of money. And to be fair, sure, like, you know, would you fight Floyd Mayweather for the, you know, whatever Conor McGregor made? Yeah, sure. No one, you wouldn't make that much because no one would pay to see it. But, you know, would I, under any reasonable consideration, put myself through the physical trauma that those two went through for the amount of money they made to go through it, I wouldn't. Now, um, Sean O'Malley, he's been speaking out about this. Now, do I think Sean O'Malley is a bit overhyped? Yes. But, you know, he's shining a light on this as well. Yeah, that poor guy is still fighting off his contender series contract. Right. Um, that that was that that's for uh well not only that he's the one who he also threw some uh Reebok stuff around you know like Reebok's made over a million dollars off of my merch and I've been paid thirty seven grand I'm not sure how accurate that is but if you take his word for it and I to be aren't fair, they supposed wait aren't they supposed to be getting a piece of that like a percentage on the Reebok Reebok sales the fighters get a percentage of the UFC's percentage. Huh. Which is why Reebok came out and said, we don't pay fighters, we pay the UFC. And oh. I, look, that deal, horrible deal. We said it at the time, and it's only been more true the longer the <sighs> Reebok Association, the look, longer that deal is drawn out. Once again, the fight, like the fighters have to get it themselves. I'm not going to, like, I'll talk about it, but I'm not going to, the fighters have to be their own activists, you know? I'm not going to be the activist for the fighters. They have to, they have to get that themselves. And I, and I, but I fully support a guy like George Masvidal, you know, standing on his morals and, you know, saying, pay me what, what I believe I'm worth. You know, I, I fully support that. Yeah. I question its efficacy, but I'm not going to say, how dare you do that by any stretch of the imagination? How dare who me? No, 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 like the fighter. Like there's a, there's a percentage of the fan base that any time a fighter says he does something like Masvidal, there's always a percentage that goes shut up and fight. Yeah, sure. And I, which is not something I, it's not a position I find all that defensible. John Jones is doing it now too. And you know, I, if that's the direction he wants to go, go for it, man. I mean, again, all fighters on the UFC roster are underpaid. Just every single one of them. And not to say the obvious, but if you want to deal with that, get your status changed from independent contractor to employee, look into organizing. That's really that's really the only proven en masse kind of solution to this problem. 
I mean, they're going to be, that Reebok deal is going to be expiring soon, and we don't know what the new one is, but. uh, Yeah, fighters, if you want a a chunk of the pie this time, because y'all got basically nothing from that Reebok deal. Uh, All right, I think that's everything I've got, so let's go ahead and get into plugs here. Uh, it has been a while, and I know you've done some interviews, so what have you got to talk about, Jeff? What do you got to plug? You know, uh, oddly enough, as bad as this whole nightmare pandemic has been, the podcast has been pretty active lately. Uh, I'm talking about the 411 Wrestling Interviews podcast. So uh, if you go to the 411 Wrestling or uh, Interviews podcast, it's on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify and Google Play. You can also listen to it on the Four Woman Mania YouTube channel. If you can give it a five star rating or review, I, I, I'd appreciate it. Um, my most recent interviews include uh, Zach Clayton, who made his debut on AEW Dark, MLW's Joseph Samael, uh, OVW's uh, Dimes uh, and Jay Bradley, Stu Bennett, the former Bad News Barrett of WWE. I got him. Uh, WWE Hall of Famer Jim Ross, former AEW World Champion Chris Jericho, uh, WWE TNA Impact Legend Gail Kim. We had her on the podcast. You can listen to all that right now on the 411 Wrestling Interviews podcast on any of the aforementioned channels. So that's our YouTube channel, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher. Please go check that out. Um, yeah, so that's mainly what, what I've been doing lately in the middle of this whole nightmare pandemic. Robert, are you there? Hello? Sorry, sorry. My bad. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, so I was plugging the, the the wrestling podcast, which you can check out right now. Yeah, anywhere you can listen to this podcast, you can listen to that one, and you should. All right, uh, personally, you can find my full review of the latest UFC event in the MMA zone. Uh, you can check me out in the upcoming uh, for the upcoming event on Saturday. You can find my latest review of the MLW Anthology series. This time around, it was the Von Erichs. Uh Let's see. Do I have anything this week? I don't think I have anything else this week coming up. A lot of the stuff that I do is kind of, that I normally do is being shuffled around because we're trying to find stuff to talk about. We're trying to find uh, old movies, old television shows, etc., etc. Not going to lie, though, for anyone who listens to Damn You Hollywood, uh, first of all, thank you. Watching an episode of The Simpsons yesterday, and there was a a reference to one of my favorite, favorite in heavy sarcastic air quotes, critics on that show. And I'm a, I am was a little bit taken aback by that. Jay Sherman? No, 100% real critic. Who? Uh, Joel Morgenstern. Hmm. Uh, and I have yelled at him in the past. <laughs> uh, that was that was an odd one to, to have that come up. 
But, uh, yeah, so I think that's everything that you can find. So I, mostly next week we'll have a re- another preview of UFC on ESPN plus 30 because I suck at math. Bart Simpson's uh, real father? No, this is the one where they're on that uh, cruise line and then Bart tricks everyone into just staying out on the cruise. Now I want to know more about this situation. Uh, so not, I'll give you a brief synopsis. Uh, the Simpson family goes on a cruise. Everyone has a really good time. Bart decides that he wants to stay on the cruise forever because life sucks and is boring. So he utilizes a direct-to-DVD movie uh, that he and then like pipes it in through the ship's broadcasting system, and it's uh, supposed to be a you know quasi-thriller about a global virus, and then uses just a clip from it that says all ship there's a virus, all ships need to stay out at sea until further notice. And then as everyone buys it, he goes, hey, chillingly realistic indeed, Joel Mergenstern of the Wall Street Journal. And I just about plotzed. <laughs> I just about threw something like I've yelled at that hack. You're not a Joe. Mo- so you're saying you're not a Joe Morgan Stern fan. Eh, not usually. Plus, again, the entire gimmick for that bit of damn you Hollywood being we find especially bad reviews. So he might be he might bat a very good average. And I just only get the ones I disagree you should with. Do, you should do an episode about the whole Simpsons thing with uh, the voice actors. <laughs> thing. I, I don't want to get. <laughs> I, I, yeah, and family and family guy, too. I don't want to get too deep into that. I just, if we're going to go down that route, you're just going to kill off the entire voice acting profession. Because at that uh, point, why bother learning an accent, right? Why bother, enough. why bother to be good at it? I mean, if we're only going to have German Americans, for example, voice people with German accents. Personally, personally, my thought was Simpson should have ended like 15 years or 20 years ago. And they would have never had to deal with this. The ups and downs of The Simpsons in terms of quality is its own long, winding narrative. (laughs) Uh, All right, but that's where you can find me. We'll be back here next week. Full review of UFC 251. Double preview. Uh, Can't say for sure I'll be on next weekend, but I will try. But this was a lot of fun to to bring it back today. I was very happy to talk to you again, Jeff. Um, it's been a bit of a break. I've been happy to be back on. Thank you. If you can't make it next week, uh, I might actually – I think even before that, I might actually have another guest lined up. So we'll we'll see. I don't have a lot of people that I potentially get on this show, but uh, we might have somebody else for next week. To, so if you can be here, I don't mind going three deep. Uh, I think Aunt, uh, my friend Andrew Graham was – mentioned that he might be in a position to talk a little bit about 251 after for next week so we'll see about that remember andrew so we'll have a full preview of and we'll have another preview of the upcoming card so that's the ega cater one and a full preview of benavidez versus figurator two boy that's a weird card holy crap i'm actually looking at the full card at the moment that is a weird card. Uh, I We're look in a forward... weird time right now. That is true. I look forward to Joseph Benavides being knocked out again. 
Uh, and this time with Figueredo missing. Benavides, I'm still, even though I think you're going to lose, I'm still rooting for you. Cause I, I, just, I would just like that division to get, return to normalcy. I don't <laughs> think know? that's ever going to happen. Well, the supreme irony being the only normal point in that division's history, it was much maligned by everyone. But we'll have a full preview of that next week. Uh, we'll see how many fights or individual fighters have fallen out between now and then, because that's the world we live in right now, folks. Uh, on behalf of Jeff, I'm Robert. Thank you again for listening, for subscribing, commenting, reviews, uh, star ratings, thumbs up, whatever you can do. We appreciate all of it. Uh, see you next week. Stay safe out there and please continue to be well, be safe and behave.